And welcome to episode nine of Station to Station podcast. Did someone take an AED to the Yankees and the Mets? Both seemingly rise from their graves. Plus, who threw a baseball harder, Brian or myself? All that and more coming up next. Station to Station. This station is Station to Station. Everybody, I'm John Prasapio, joined along as always with Brian Sarnelli, Pat Lavin working the board for you. And guys, I think it's a little bit of a different feeling this week. I know, especially your Mets, my Yankees. How are we all doing? We are back in the New York groove. There we are. You know, after a little bit of a hiccup. New York well. City. New York well. City. That New is a York long soundbite. God almighty, there we, it is. Are, we are back. Uh, everything is well in my end of the boroughs over in Queens. I'm sure you're feeling pretty good over there in the Bronx. Yeah, the mood it, of this, the mood of the station, the station has been very uh, doom and gloom of late. I don't think that is going to be the uh, the tone this week. It is amazing how quickly things can turn around. Uh, so a lot of fun baseball to talk about for both sides. So I've, I've been nothing but that. optimistic all year long. I've, you know, uh, I've been yep, saying it the whole time. True. Yep. I've been saying it the whole time. This was going to happen. Here it is. But John, I got to tell you. Yep. What are going, you in, going into this, um, this set of the Mets schedule, you just played like, like I said, last week, we played the Tigers, you play the nationals and you kind of get your ass kicked by those teams. Then you have the Rays and the Guardians coming into town. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at that, and I'm just looking at that six-game stretch. And I said, we just got our ass kicked. This is going to get, this is where it's going to get ugly. And we talked about, you know, you judge a season by how you kind of are looking around Memorial Day to get a real good feel for it. And the Mets needed to convince me that by Memorial Day that everything was going to be okay. Well, they go about losing the opening game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And everything kind of looked about the same as what we saw against the Nationals and the Tigers. And then out of nowhere, life. They Mm -hmm. actually have life to them. They win five in a row. They take the series against the Tampa Bay Rays. They sweep the Guardians. Out of nowhere, Max Scherzer's pitching phenomenal. Out of nowhere, uh, Justin Verlander's pitching great. Francisco Lindor is coming out of his shell. They finally do the thing that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks is call up these fucking kids and let them rejuvenate your lineup. Mark Vientos shows up for Francisco Alvarez is there. Brett Beatty, then out of nowhere, Pete Alonzo, the MLB home run leader currently is still mashing and hitting clutch hits. And out of nowhere, everyone starts to come out of their shell and start getting their hits and starting to contribute. Brandon Nimmo starts hit Brandon Nimmo with a big home run. Starling Marte finally woke up from his slumber that he's been in for the last six weeks. So it's, it's like everything that I had to complain about, about the New York Mets within the last five games, they tried to make everyone look like a fool for complaining about those particular things. Yeah, they look great. I mean, really, they looked fantastic. Um, as you said, in that double header, you had Scherzer and Verlander and, I think all of us were just kind of holding our breath saying, oh, here we go. You know, they're, they're going to d- double duty, both lay an egg. And I mean, Scherzer, he worked. He he earned that uh, that win for the Mets. He, he didn't look great. Let's not act like, you know, he was Nolan Ryan out there by any means. But Verlander looked great. Verlander yeah. looked real good. And that's exciting. That's exciting if you're a Mets fan. Scherzer, I, I'm, I, you know, I think the jury's still out as far as what's going on with him. But Verlander, that's real encouraging. Also, in that stretch, we're talking Mets pitching. Kodai Senga had probably yeah. his best start I, as a New York Met during that stretch, great. too. Mm-hmm. Where out of an out of nowhere, you're like, if you can get consistent dominance from him at that level, and those other two can kind of find their form a little bit, right? Out of nowhere, everything is okay. You know what I mean? Everything is fine. You're not drowning, you're not worried. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the victories and the excitement 
and the rookies being there and the never say die moments that took place over this last five games overshadowed how dominant Kodai was in his start because I didn't hear really a, enough people talking about how good he was in that start with 10 Ks. Um, but he was incredibly impressive, but the Mets lacked a, um, Oh, what am I looking for here? They lacked an identity. That's what they really, really lacked. These, these first six weeks, these first couple months, they lacked who are the New York Mets. And I kind of could tell you all about who the 2022 Mets were, but the 2023 Mets didn't have that passion. They didn't have an identity. They had nothing to them where I was like, this is what makes this team special. And this was the first time. And obviously, let's be honest, John, five games is not that huge of a sample size, but it was against good competition. And, and it's the way they won, too. And it's the way they won, where it looked like they had that never say die. You could be up six, nothing. You could be up five, nothing right. on us, which the Guardians were. And we're still in this ball game, And that that was very much the mentality of the 2022 Mets. Um, and it was nice to finally see that breakthrough with this team. You know, everyone's kind of coming back. These kids are playing phenomenal. Like Francisco Alvarez is playing. This might be like a, an overreaction, but Francisco Alvarez is playing like a top five catcher in fucking baseball already, like at a very early free. And everyone was worried about this kid's defense and his defense has been absolutely phenomenal. And he's just like a cat back there bouncing around. His framing pitch percentile is like through the roof. Like the kid's a stud and then he's been getting clutch hits and big moments and he already has over four home runs in his short time. So it's because he has Gary Sanchez, you know, mentor as his mentor. Right that's yeah. right. Gary Sanchez, by the way, played for the Mets, drove in a run. He did. He did. Though, and he caught Max. So that's. Uh, and can we can fun. we just calm down, though, with Scherzer saying, oh, you know, Gary, he can call a great game. Get, get out of here. What do you I, want him to say? I don't want to hear that. Just what do you say, want oh, him yeah. to say? Gary was here today. All that's right, all, he's not going to say that. That's all be, he needs to be said. Everyone's always going to jerk each other oh off in the God. post games. You know that. It's, it's, it's part of being a professional. Hey, you know, a little hanky-panky. Did the Mets season, did it all turn around the moment they showed the Tampa Bay Rays logo on the scoreboard after the scoreboard went out? You could make that argument. You know, is is this the new little twist? Because it seems like the Rays have been going in another direction since. And, you know, the Mets have been electric since then so i don't know i don't really i feel like there's a lot of things that have helped the mets out of nowhere snap out of this weird funk um so you know you kind of hope it lasts they're finally over 500 again after that five game win streak they get up to 25 and 23 they are currently off as we're recording right now they have a trip out to wrigley which i always love when the mets play out in wrigley i think it's just one of those fun series i like seeing that ballpark i like seeing my team play at that ballpark um so, you know, I think I'm looking forward to that, but I don't, I don't really know who to credit for this. Cause there's so many guys who have nowhere have just woken up. Do you credit the baby Mets for coming in and, and, and making this team have some life? Do you credit just Pete Alonzo, just stepping up in big moments? Like, I don't know if you have a guy in the Yankees that you can use as a comp for this, John, but the Mets used to have this player by the name of Lucas Duda <laughs> and Lucas Duda hit a shit ton of home runs as a New York Met but they always were in garbage time. Like mm -hmm. Mets would be down six, nothing Lucas Duda would hit like a solo shot or maybe hit like two solo shots in like mm -hmm. a game that they got their ass kicked. And Lucas Duda was like the king of I'm going to hit a meaningless home run. I don't think Pete Alonso has ever hit like a meaningless home run. No, Every he, single yeah. home run is a big moment or like a lead taking home run, or I'm going to tie up the game here. Like, the guy doesn't get enough credit. He is so fucking clutch in those spots. Like he really is. I would, I I'm bummed out. The playoffs went so poorly for this team last year because it just always felt like Pete Alonzo was going to do something really nuts in the postseason, Like one of those big moments, like a Reese hops or uh, Reese Hoskins, like throw the bat down home run that we saw from last year. Pete is just destined for one of those moments in his career. Cause the guy just steps up in the biggest stage. Well, playoffs are always a different animal. So, I mean, I think we got to wait and see still, to your point. The sample size was so small. We really didn't get a chance to see Pete in the postseason. But Do you have hey, a Yankee, though, who it's meaningless? Uh, like first you know guy what? that came to mind? You know, I, the guy who I've, I originally thought you were going to say, I mean, 
this is a little off topic, but Alonzo, I mean, I think Alonzo would get a lot more praise in the city if it wasn't for Aaron Judge because the Correct. two are yeah. so com- so comparable. Um, but, no, you know, I'm trying to think. A-Rod had a lot of, you know, garbage home runs over his time, but the guy did hit a lot of big ones as well, too, so I can't really compare it to that. But you even think of Aaron Judge. Like, Aaron Judge hit, had a streak this last week where he had seven – Home oh, run. Huge. He, hit, he yeah. had a home run in seven straight games. And then the eighth game where he didn't hit one, he had like two line drives off yeah. the top of the wall. And while he was doing that, Pete had a, a streak of four straight games with a home run. So you talk about like the two are always going to be compared. And it's always obviously Judge is the better ball player. There's no disputing that. But it's like, oh, yeah. Pete lives in the Aaron judge shadow to some degree in New York city. And you can tell that bothers him. He wants to outperform judge. He does. He does. And I think Pete uses that though, to make him play better. Yes. I agree. Pete wants to be the face of New York baseball, the New York Mm -hmm. Mets and, and all that stuff, but he doesn't use it in a negative way where Pete comes off as like an asshole or any way. He just is very passionate about, the Mets and he tries his hardest to get better every single time. Like Pete is somebody that you can look at and Pete has consistently gotten better every single year, offensively, defensively. And he tries to be the face of that. And he's just living in an impossible shadow, but Pete Alonzo really deserves more love. I think than he actually gets because of Aaron judge doing that. But Pete Pete is phenomenal and and an absolute stud. Well, I mean, look at it, right? I I think you know, Judge, it's not like he lives rent-free in Alonzo's mind. I think Pete sees what Aaron does, and that motivates him, like you said, you know, to try to top it. Um, I mean, look, Judge sets the rookie home run record. What does Alonzo do? He comes out, he breaks that record. Now, yeah. Judge hit 62 last year. Alonzo's been on the record. He wants to beat that. What's Alonzo doing so far this year? He's hitting 17 home runs. He's first in the National League in home runs right now. So. Hey, it does like the, thing, the other thing too with Alonzo and just another like couple of quick things on this. Pete led the league in home runs last uh no, not home runs last year, but Pete had 40 home runs last year and led the league in RBIs, drove in over 120. And I think I think it's realistic at the end of the season that Pete hits two major milestones. And I'm gonna I I've been thinking about this for a while, and I I don't know why I haven't said it on air, and I still think it's early enough in the season to kind of like put this out there in the universe to be like, I was on it first, but let me, let me kind of like talk you through this. I'm just trying to pull up Pete's stats to make it easier on myself, not to go from the top of my head. So Pete has 163 career home runs right now. 163, 163. He has hit 17 home runs this year. Mm -hmm. I think it is possible that Pete Alonzo hits his 200th home run this season. So you'd be putting him running, you know, giving Aaron Judge a run for his money. So let's do some math for our listeners at home. 200 minus 163. He needs to hit 37 more home runs. He is at 17. That would put him at 54. Right. So Pete Alonso hitting 54 home runs. Yeah, I think he could do that. The second part of that is that he's currently at 421 career RBIs. I think he hits 200 home runs this year, and I think he hits 500 RBIs this year. You know why I think he can do that? It's a huge thing. He stays healthy. If he, all he has to do, I I don't want to say all he has to do, but if Pete Alonso drives in 120 this year, he's going to hit 500 RBIs. If he hits 54 home runs, he hits his 200th home run. Yeah. I, I don't think saying 54 is a crazy number for the guy already at 17. No. At the end of May. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think so at all. I think he can do that. I think he's going to get I th- I do think he's going to get close to Judge's record from last year. I don't think he's going to beat it just because it's a it's a very hard record to beat. Um, you know, Judge he had a few breaks here and there and he's played healthy all last season. Now, like I said, Alonzo, hey, credit to him for as good of a hitter as he is, for the power he is and the leader he is. And you love, you know, when um Marte hits that go-ahead home run over the weekend. You know, Huge homer. Alonzo's out. He's shaking the fence. He looks like a fan out there. You know, yeah. he's going absolutely nuts. You love to see that. So Alonzo, I mean, 
he gets overshadowed a lot by judge and Aaron judge is the better ball player. I think we both can agree on that, but Alonso he's, you know, he's nothing to shake a stick at. It's not like we're comparing Jose Reyes and Derek Jeter. You Mm -hmm. know, that was a completely different thing. Alonso judge. It doesn't get the same traction as a Reyes versus Jeter got back in the day or an a rod. David Wright got back in the day, but it should, this is the real comparison. Yeah. These two are neck and neck. These are some, this is some of the best, you know, New York baseball, just rivalry of these two guys. This is much what must watch television every night watching the two of them. And it doesn't get the play that it should. I don't know why that is. Maybe th- the way the Mets be- have been so long. I think honestly, part of the reason it doesn't get the play, it doesn't, I think both guys are just genuine good human beings. Yes. And when that's a factor, when no one's the, when none of them, neither one of them is an asshole. Yeah. When neither one of them is an asshole and one of them's a good guy. It, I think that plays a factor. Like Pete Alonzo has a charity called Homer for heroes. He donates to like, like veterans and police and fire department in need and like teachers. And like, I'm sure judge is very active with the New York community as well. And like, you know, just like, they're just two likable faces of the franchise, both guys representing the identity of their fan bases perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like Pete is that rowdy, die hard. He's going to love hard. And like when he loses, you're going to feel the pain that Pete feels. And Judge is just like the most professional, like polished guy in the world. And that's like Yankee baseball. And they both just fit their teams perfectly so Alonzo the next captain of the Mets you know I've I've actually this is a fun topic for me this topic has come up a lot amongst Mets fans about who is the future captain of the Mets I don't think Fran, I'll, I'll let me go through a couple of no's right away I don't think Francisco Lindor will ever be the captain no. of the Mets I don't nope. I think I think a captain has to be homegrown and I don't know why that's something that I think is a criteria, but I I uh, like having my captain. I think it helps. I don't know. I don't know if it has to be because here's an example I, that, for you right that's now. That's a deep. Do you know one off the top of your head? Well, a captain no, that wasn't it, homegrown it, for baseball? No, no, he's not a captain. But if Aaron Judge was not a New York Yankee, right? I could see Anthony Rizzo being the captain of the Yankees. He's that, he's that good. He, I mean, he's he fits. He's as much Anthony Rizzo is as much of a Yankee as just about anyone. You know, he he fits the role so perfectly. Now, obviously, if Rizzo had been in the Bronx, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I think it's a little bit of a different story. I mean, he's getting up there in age, but I think he could have been a Yankee, and he didn't have to be a homegrown guy. But I, that's one for example. But I agree, it definitely helps when you are a homegrown guy. I, I yeah. think the only person that actually can give Pete a run for his money is Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo's locked up for seven <sighs> years. Homegrown yeah, guy, but... beloved by the fan base, high-energy guy. Obviously, I think you you think of Pete Alonzo when you hear the Mets. Right. But I, I think people sleep on the, the Nimmo. Like, I don't know. I, I think Nimmo is the only guy that can give him a shot. Obviously, though, it's going to be similar to what the Yankees did with Aaron Judge. That captain, like, captaincy doesn't get thrown around until you're re-signed for the long haul. Right. Like, Pete Alonso signs an eight-year deal. I think, yeah, no shit. You're, they're going to make him the captain, no doubt. Yeah, and I think that happens. I do. I can't. Pete's just one of those guys I can't envision playing somewhere else. Like, he just feels no. like somebody that's going to be a Met forever. He's he going loves to be the, the New one. York spotlight. He's going to hit 500 home runs as a Met. He's going to do all these things. And it's like, no one's going to touch any of his things. Even if he doesn't make the hall of fame, he puts up those kind of numbers in a Met uniform. He's going to get his number retired. Like I think Pete sees all that stuff and thinks of the moments that he can have. If he plays his whole career or majority of his career in one spot and seeing doing it in New York, I think Pete would stay all the way up until he gets a championship. And then I think once you get a championship, even I don't see you, not wanting to do it again. You know what I, I th- mean? I think there's only two places in major league baseball that Alonzo could go that he'd be a bigger star than he is right now. And one of them isn't going to happen that either the one that's not going to happen will be the Yankees. I think if yeah. he goes to the Yankees. He's a bigger star, but he's not going to go to the Yankees. He won't. The other one, Boston. Yeah. I, 
I think if he went to Bo- if Boston yeah. made a push in free agency and they have the money to do it, if they really wanted Alonzo, I think that's a place where he goes. He would absolutely excel with that wall in left field. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, he would own it. And, you know, he's the kind of guy that fits that Boston mold. Well, the city, you know, I'm talking about, he would be great there. He'd be loved. Absolutely loved. God, I you that know. just gave me a, like a nightmare thinking about that, but you're right. <laughs> he would, he would fit in that. Those are the only two places that I could see that he could go via free agency and be a bigger star than where he currently is. And like I said, he's not going to the Yankees. That's not going to happen. Yeah. I think Pete's also welcome to, to my hell when everyone was talking about where judge was going to go to discredit Pete slightly. I think Aaron judge sees Pete at a public gathering and goes like, Oh, Hey, it's Pete. Nice to yeah. see Pete. Hope he's doing well. I think Pete Alonzo sees Aaron judge and his head is thinking like, God, what can I do to be fucking better than that guy? Like, what yes. is that guy doing? Like, why are they talking to him first? Yes. Why aren't they talking to me? Like, what do I have to do? And I think he channels that in a great way to make himself better. I've never right. seen him ever use that in a negative way, but you just know it's, it's what Pete's thinking. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think Aaron judge thinks of Pete Alonzo at all. And, but, an, or, and then if he sees him, it's never negative. It's like, Hey, right. Pete, how you doing? Hope everything's Ex- all right. Exactly. But Alonzo, like we said, I won't, I don't want to say he lives rent free. Judge lives rent free in Alonzo's mind. Cause I don't, you know, that's different, but, Kinda in that, that he's always trying to top Aaron judge. He always wants to be higher than Aaron judge, but he doesn't, a lot of guys get like that and it ends up throwing off everything where that's all they obsess over. And you know, everything else goes to crap. Alonzo, like you said, he does a very good job. He goes out there and it elevates his game only higher. So, you know, if you're the Mets, you, you sign up for that any day of the week. Yeah. You're just chasing greatness. And you know, if you chase it, you know, you're going to turn out pretty good yourself. But nevertheless, the Mets are the Mets are okay, John. Yeah, the Mets, Mets are, are okay. okay. You know, a little bit not, better than okay right now. We're uh, the Mets are doing good. You know, we're not popping bottles. We're not. But the thing that happened is the sky is not falling. Um, no. Everything feels like if they play like this, like they did over this last stretch, they're as good as anybody. And going into the season, everybody thought the Mets were going to be a very good team, a world series contending team. And this was the first time we saw them play like a team that has a chance to compete for a championship. Now, do you, do you throw something at the wall? If Alvarez is demoted, when Nito comes back from the aisle, I will absolutely riot. I will be unhinged. If they send Francisco Alvarez, I think they're going to, I don't think think they'll do it. You don't don't, think so? No, I, I, I think they have shown some competent. Uh, I can't speak tonight. I think they're competent enough to not do that move. Epler's and a big numbers guy, though. I just don't. If they do that, there will be medlam in Queens. Especially like, if you're throwing will, Gary Sanchez out there, people too. People will be you got Alvarez fucking down. furious. Oh I, I don't think that happens. I think, honestly, as long as the kids are hitting over like 250, they're going to be here to stay. And I like the idea is that they didn't call up uh, Mauricio yet. You still got that kid down there kind of developing. And he's also a stud. I he think hit, he's like, a trade tip, uh, a trade chip, excuse me, at the deadline. I, I think he's a trade chip. Because he can't he, field. He can't field. He hits. No, he can't he's field. a good, he's a good fielder. Uh, he's a good fielder. They're moving him around the second. I, I, I think that people are trying to paint him some negatively in some way in the media to make it seem like trading him isn't a bad idea. I think this kid's going to be a stud as well. And, you know, I don't want them to trade him. And I think you get to around July. And I think like if you're hitting a skid again or at the end of June, when you're going through that hell stretch of their schedule is in June, you call up this kid and you get another little jolt of life and you just keep, keep the good vibes going. But you know what trade I want to see happen? And this is with the Yankees. This would be fun. This would be a lot of fun. And it had me thinking this weekend with the Yankees in Cincinnati. You know where I'm going with this? Joey Votto? No, get the hell out of here, Joey Votto. We got Rizzo. Right. Alexi Diaz. Yeah. yeah. Do you imagine? You want both Diaz brothers in New York? Could you imagine that storyline? That would be like when you had Billy Wagner and Mariano Rivera. 
right? Both Enter Sandman guys, which, by the way, was a joke that Wagner was playing Enter Sandman. I don't want to hear that he was doing it for a long time. But could you imagine that next year? You have Edwin Diaz closing games for the Mets. You have Alexis Diaz closing games for the Yankees. I mean, oh, that'd be fun. That would be a lot of fun. The Mets have always been interested in in him and trying to reunite the brothers on the back end, which would also just be something electric. But you know what? You look at the Mets, their bullpen's a little bit better shape than the Yankees is right now. They got some guys who are polished and have been there before that you can kind of Mm -hmm. like rely on. Like David Robinson has been absolutely fantastic this year. Uh, Brooks Raley kind of has, you know, steadied the ship. He was a little rough early on, but he's been a nice left-handed for them. Uh, Adam Adovito is having a solid year again. My guy, Drew Smith. I'm a huge Drew Smith guy. I love, love, love Drew Smith. Speaking of Lucas Duda, that's who they acquired Drew Smith for back in the day, back in like 20, whoa, 2016, I think, 2016, 2017. But Drew Smith is awesome. So they got like four guys that honestly they could throw in those back innings, and I could feel that's relati- what I'm saying. relatively I- confident. Um, it's the guys that they've been throwing in like when we get into trouble and we have to fucking throw a reliever in like the fifth and sixth. Those are the ones where it's like we're just punting this shit away. And Buck Showalter, before we switch to the Yankees, Buck Showalter will do this thing that maybe you're familiar with where the Mets will only be down like two or three runs. And it's like you're in like the sixth inning and you're like, this game is not out of reach at all. But Buck will not use any of his good relievers. Yeah. And he'll use like those C tier guys and be like, well, you know, if we could come back and win this game, that's great. But if not, like I'm saving the the tier, the high tier guys, the right. high, the higher tier guys for the big games, the big moments. And, you know, maybe if we tie this game, I'll bring those guys in. But he will not use any of them to keep games from getting ugly. Uh, yeah, you know, that it's, it's frustrating. It really is. But you're let me tell you. You're managing to punt. You're like, in a way, punting games away. And I know it's a long season and it's a marathon and you want to keep these guys out there and you want to keep them pitching for the long haul and winning those big games. Yeah. But like, sometimes it's frustrating to watch a game where your team's just down three, nothing. And like, they're battling and it's, they're right. in it. And they're and bringing then, in a Tommy Hunter into the game. They're bringing like a... A Yaka bonus, uh, fucking Tommy Hunter. Right. We're just bringing in guys where it's just like, oh, all right, we gave up. So let's just, you know, watch this fucking shit show that's about to unravel. But you know what, Brian? Let me tell you something. As someone who lived through Joe Torrey, you know, mismanaging the bullpen. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to say mismanaged. He, he, at the time, there wasn't as much of an importance on it. But he would bring out these guys. Paul Quantrill, that, that guy's arm. You know, father of Cal Qu- uh, Quantrill, by the way. But Cal just started against the Mets this week. He did. Um, Pitched well. He's he's not a bad pitcher. He's not. Wasn't he? Wasn't he one of the ones who got into trouble with uh, Terry Francona? It was like him. Was it Clevenger and him? Clevenger, yeah, yeah. Right. What did they do? They did. Uh, yeah, I Pat's gonna have to check on that one. They did something stupid where Francona got pissed with them. Yeah. God, I gotta run. Pat, you gotta look that one up for us. All right. Um. But yeah, Tory would run these guys out and he'd manage every regular season game like it was the postseason. Then what happens? You get to the postseason. And these guys' arms were just blown out. And the other thing, too, which is a little bit different now this year because you don't have as much in-division play, but I think the Yankees were affected hugely over the past few years where they're bringing out these high-leverage guys against, you know, the same teams, the Rays, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and these teams keep seeing these, you know, high leverage guys because they play in high leverage games and you have a lot of those situations where you get down towards the end of the year, they're not as effective because the hitters have just seen them so much. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair take. It's just sometimes frustrating to watch yeah, those no, May- absolutely. when you're watching May games get punted. I understand. That's why uh, trade deadline acquisitions are so big. They really yeah, are so big. Because you get beefed up where it's like, right. good, every guy that we're putting out there is competitive and good by this point of the season. But like you go through like these like trial runs to be like, hey, maybe we got lightning in a bottle with one of these guys. And then, you know, most of them are what the back of the baseball card says they are. And yeah. uh, you end up finding that out usually around Memorial Day, June, being like, hey, this is what this guy is this season. Please stop fucking us over. Or you need to replace him in July. 
Like you have now to look at that to replace this guy in July. Right. But that being said, that is the state of the New York Mets. You have a lot of positivity going on in the Bronx. I mean, just from a, from afar, what Aaron Rock, uh, Aaron Judge is doing. I was gonna say Aaron Rocks. Aaron Rocks. Aaron Judge is doing is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely sensational. Um, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is gonna be an all time great. Mm-hmm. Just like an an absolute all time great first ballot Hall of Fame kind of guy, and he's special. And I, I think he's starting to get to that upper echelon for me, where. I don't know if you know this about me, and this is probably going to be an unfavorable thing to say. I love greatness. I do. I do. No, this is this is not like a, a weird thing, but I love athletes performing at the highest level and achieving historic careers. No, I yeah. think that shit is cool. So like Michael I, Jordan, that shit's fucking awesome. But Tom, I, Tom Brady. Like I'm a Jets fan, did, but no. But did you really appreciate Brady until yes. he went to the Bucks? Yes, I did. Because I freaking hated him until he went to the Bucks. I hated Tom Brady for the damage he would cause when we played him. But to see somebody that was viewed as the greatest of all time still going out there and winning championships and just beating mm-hmm. people with just that pure competitiveness, like that shit is so cool to me. And I, I this is even going to be lame, but like even like. I'm not a LeBron guy, like, but like when LeBron is in the finals, I root for LeBron to win because I like saying that I saw one of the greatest athletes of all time win like his fifth championship, win his fourth championship, win those things. I I think I just like that stuff. So like, I don't root for them necessarily in the regular season, Mm. but if like one of those like figures is in a Super Bowl or a World Series or an NBA finals, I find myself pulling for them because I want to see greatness. You know, it's funny. Um, Yankees, Yankees.com has been doing this thing over the past week where they're asking players. No free ads. They're asking their players, you know, to name their Mount Rushmore of Yankees. And you're getting a lot of answers, whether, you know, Derek Jeter, Babe Ruth, and you're seeing some Aaron Judges on there too. And, you know, it got me thinking, you know, Aaron Judge, he – he might be as good as Mickey Mantle, you know, and that's a name you don't throw around just loose Mickey Mantle, right? There's no one. There's very few people in this country. You say the name Mickey Mantle to, they don't know. At least, you know, he's a baseball player, even if you're living under a rock and Aaron judge, you know, we might be witnessing this generation's Mickey Mantle. Now, Mike Trout was billed to be that. And, I'll be honest. Mike Trout hasn't lived up to that billing. Mike Trout's been great. Don't get me wrong. But he hasn't performed up to, you know, being a Mickey Mantle. And some of that's injury. A lot of that's injury. You know, a lot of it's the situation where he is, you know, out on the West Coast. He's on a horrible team, horrible ownership. They have no clue what they're doing. But I have a, I have a, I think there's a counter to that. I, I yeah. think Judge is Mickey Mantle. I think Mike Trout is Willie Mays. Some would argue, though, that Willie, uh, Willie Mays was a little bit better than Mickey Mantle, depending on who you talk to. Yeah, I, I think. But that's I, what I mean. I, don't, I, think, I, don't I think, think it's like that. I think you could have that conversation, though, with certain people around baseball right. and be like Mike Trout or Mike Aaron Trout's Judge. Very good. And I still think there's still a decent like crowd of baseball that would tell you they still would want Mike Trout. I think right now, if anyone were to say that, I have a problem with that. I, I really do. I, I don't think realistically right now you can choose Mike Trout over Aaron Judge. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. What are you basing that off of? You know, how, I, how do I just you think it? that's just how people would react. No, I know. Uh, I, I know you're not saying that, but that would be my reaction. To someone I, I would also that. pick Aaron Judge, but I do think that if you put that poll out and have like every single fan base answer it, mm-hmm. I think it'd be like 60, 40 in favor of Judge. I mean, I, I would hope again right now, I'd hope that number would be a little bit higher, but. Are there going to be some who say this? Sure, because there's Yankee haters. All the same people who wanted to give Otani the MVP award last year. Like, give me a break, okay? That's absolutely ridiculous. Otani had a great year last year, by all means. But you're going to tell me Aaron Judge didn't deserve the you know American League MVP award last year? If Aaron Judge didn't get the MVP last year, 
then forget, you know, if you're the, a Yankee at that point going forward, just forget it because they're never going to vote for a Yankee. The guy hit 62 home runs. But John, this is actually going to be weird. I'm, this is almost like, I guess my, some, can I use this as my something sweet? Can yeah, I use sure. This, can I use you this never, early? You never take it seriously anyway. Yeah, so go so ahead. Th- I think this is, this is me taking it seriously. Okay. If the Yankees were in the world series. Yeah. I think I would root for them. If it meant Aaron judge getting his first ring. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe who, that one. Uh, as long as it's not the Mets. Well, obviously. I think I would I would be okay. All right, let me rephrase. I would be okay with the Yankees winning if it meant Judge got his first ring. I think if it was okay. for like Judge's okay. like second and third ring. I would be like, okay, like that's fine. No more. I, I don't think you would actively root for the Yankees in a World I, Series. I get bothered by great players not having championships. Ken Griffey Jr. not having a championship bothers me. Yeah. Like there's shit like that 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 really bugs me. And like I fucking hate the Dodgers, but to think that Clayton Kershaw wasn't gonna have a championship fucking bothered me. Does so it, like does, when it was you, like when does it, it change Dod- your opinion at all that it was a pandemic season? The baseball one, not as much as the basketball one, because some of the playoff games actually had crowds. I could give them a little bit more. Uh, well, only what one? Only the National League had crowds for the NLCS and then the World Series. You did have a little bit of a crowd. That is crazy to think that they did have crowds in the middle of that pandemic. Yeah, but like at the same time, like I I count the MLB one. The if you want to go back to like the NBA bubble shit, whatever, that's different. Mm-hmm. But the MLB championship, I do count, and. Thinking that Clayton Kershaw wasn't going to have a championship in his career if the Dodgers, like, let's say they don't win this year and he hangs it up, like, mm-hmm. that would have bothered me. These are all time greats who should have championships. Like, at the end of the day, like, when Mike Trout retires and he doesn't have a ring, like, mm-hmm. that, that will bother me. Uh, listen, I said it the day it happened, and I'll stick to it. The biggest mistake Mike Trout made in his career was signing that extension with LA or they and I. That, that was such a foolish decision. I don't know who was in his ear and said, sign that deal, but he's just signed away his career, essentially. He's living in baseball purgatory. And just I don't, hoping oh, to be traded at this point. Otani will not make that same mistake. No, he's out. He's out. Now, the Angels are starting to begin their fall a little bit here. They're what? They're four and a half games out. They're five and five in their last 10. The Astros are finally getting hot, you know, of course. And then you have the Rangers who have been exceeding expectations here. So think about the Rangers, the, the 2023 Rangers are the 2022 New York Mets. They're going to be that team that just like, they're going to be winning the division all year long. Yeah. And then the Astros are going to get hot just enough at the end, win the division. And then the Rangers are going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, the Astros are only one game out right now. So I think, uh, yeah, but I, I think the Rangers this are gonna, weekend, the Astros will have first place. I don't know. I kind of like this Rangers team enough. I think I said that before the mm-hmm. season started. I like this Rangers team. I think they're going to they're going to be pretty good. They're going to make the playoffs, I think. And I think they're going to be competing for the division all year. And I think they're going to fall short in uh, September. I don't I don't think Houston like runs away with this division this year. But, you know, the, my point being is that, El, you know, Anaheim's starting to begin their annual free fall a bit here. It'll be interesting to see if this continues. Otani's going to be shipped out. Where does he go? You cannot make the same mistake that the Washington Nationals made with Bryce Harper. I think that was one of the biggest fumbles ever where they knew he wasn't going to resign. They had teams trying to trade for him at the deadline. They did not move him. And then they did not offer him a contract extension. And it's like, the prospect haul that you would have gotten by yeah. sending Bryce Harper to a World Series contender would have been fucking massive. Well, and I think that played into their decision with Soto too. You ju- yeah, you just can't fucking do it again. Right. And I'm I'm happy to see the Nationals have learned from that, I guess. I also I thought about the 2019 Nationals the other day. 2019 Nationals were fucking stacked. They, they were, were stacked in a phenomenal fucking team of young, controllable pieces. Well, and Strasburg was healthy for the only time in his career, too, you know? Uh, yeah, and obviously the Strasburg thing blows up in their face. They pay the guy after he wins them a World Series. Yeah. And, I mean, you have to pay him in that situation, but you get fucked by the contract. Mm-hmm. But, like, oh, man, if they could have just locked up Bryce Harper the year before, 
and then fucking had Soto and Trey Turner and just had those fucking guys all together with that nice little offensive core and just kept like signing big pitchers, they would have been fucking great. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Angels do with Otani. Um, if the, he was one thing we do know is that now that the Wilpons have sold the Mets, Artie Moreno is the worst owner in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Right. He's by far the worst owner in baseball. So does he move Otani? Does he say, hey, let's hold on to him and keep, you know, some of these sales? Let's keep our presence in Japan to make some money here. Cause that's all he seems to care about is making money. This isn't, you know, this isn't a team. This is a business for him. And he wants to just generate money. And that you hate that. You hate that as a fan to see that. I I hate I hate Moreno. I do not like the Angels. I really I hope they get sold. Um don't forget the Angels' success in the early 2000s, that wasn't under Moreno. That's when Disney owned the team. When you had those David Eckstein's, what is that, 2002, 2000, yeah, 2002, yeah. when they won the World Series? That wasn't Moreno. Disney owned the team then. They win the World Series and they sell it to Moreno. And then they've been just a dumpster fire ever since. You know, once those guys that were there started to leave, retire, it's, it's all been over. But hey, uh, let's talk a little Yankees, all right? You know, Yankees, they win three out of four in Toronto. That was huge. You heard me all, I mean, going back two weeks. It seems like forever ago now. You know, I'm on here. I'm saying, hey, you know, that Thursday in um, Toronto, what was it? It was, oh, my God, uh, May 18th. I said May 18th at 11 o'clock at night, the Yankee season may be over. It's not over. In fact, it's almost like it's just beginning, right? You win three out of four in Toronto. I didn't think they were going to do that. Not a chance. I was hoping for the split at, you know, at, at best case. They win three out of four. They probably could have swept them. You know, they were scoreless. They didn't, if you don't score a run, you're not going to win a game. They went into extra innings without scoring a run, 0-0, and they you know let up a walk-off. You knew it was going to happen with the way the offense was looking. But what was important is they came out, they rebound, they get the win, they get the series win. Then they move on to Cincinnati, and you say, hey, it's the Reds. You should sweep them. And you know what the Yankees didn't do for a change? Settle for two out of three. They sweep the Cincinnati Reds in Cincinnati, which probably, oh, can, can I take a break real quick? Cincinnati, it get, the ballpark gets a lot of love over there. I think that's one of the ugliest stadiums I have ever seen for Major League Baseball. I, I don't know about you. I, I, this is absolutely nothing. It's like it doesn't know what it wants to be. It looks like an 80s National League ballpark with like a little bit of what the Angels did with Anaheim Stadium, you know, where they built these little, you know, features in the stadium. You have the smokestacks out and right. That doesn't even look like, you know, a ferry boat. You know, you have the Ohio River behind these giant graded stands that look like they're straight out of a college football stadium. It is ugly. That is just an ugly, ugly ballpark. I, I would... I, I th- I think the oh. Reds all together, Our even mess. Like those mess. those jerseys, even yeah, like the Reds need the Reds just need a rebrand. I actually like their Cincy City Connect jerseys, the all black. Mm. I actually thought like they have a little attitude and personality to them. The normal Reds jersey is so boring. Like it I really cannot is. imagine dreaming of playing Major League Baseball yeah. my entire life. And then having to put on a Reds uniform for the first time. And there's such a storied I, franchise, too. I feel like I'd rather just work at, like, fucking Publix. How sad is Pete Rose? Did you see him uh, over the weekend? He was in the dugout. I think it was for the Saturday game. He was sitting right next to the Yankees dugout of all places, too, mind you. Um, you know, wearing his generic white ball cap with just some baseball stitches on there because he won't wear a Major League hat anymore. I mean, uh, yeah. You kind of feel bad for the guy a little bit at this point. They'll put him in when he's dead as like a fuck you. I don't know. I I don't know if they ever do. I really don't. I, I truly maybe when he's dead, because then, you know, he can't do anything else. If he keeps, you know, clean until then, which you hate to say, but, you know, maybe you're right. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be a dick to him. He's going to pass away. And then like the next year, they're going to be like in honor of the. Pete Rose, we're going to put him in the Hall yeah. of Fame. It's like, yeah, you couldn't give him that when he was alive, you assholes. Right. And be you know even it's going to happen. But hey, Yanks went th- three out of, or I'm sorry, they sweep Cincinnati. Severino comes back from the IL. He didn't pitch long on Sunday, but he looked good, you know, against the Reds, uh, Reds offense. He did let up a run. 
Um, I'd like to see him go out there and do it again with some a little bit better competition. We'll see. You that. a Severino guy? Uh, you like Severino? Yeah, he, he scares me. That kind of answered everything way. there. You don't really have to go. Yeah, he's sc- now. Here's I, I've said this before. I I've said it before. I think Severino's a bullpen guy, and I he's in the last year of his deal with the Yankees. You know, apparently he wants to come back. If I'm the Yankees, I take an approach like they did with Chapman, especially if they can't bring anyone in on the deadline here. But Severino has proven he can't stay healthy. And now once you start getting, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, you get a Carlos Rodon back, you have a Cortez, you have Herman. Who? who, who Carlos Who's Rodon? Carlos Rodon. Yeah, exactly. A figment of our... Oh, speaking of, speaking of figments of our imagination, right? People who don't exist. You know who finally played a game for the Yankees? Who? Ben Rortvet. Oh, ben that's Rortvet, right. The catcher they acquired from the Minnesota Twins in that Josh Donaldson, Gio Rochella deal. He was the other player who came with Donaldson. And we, we heard about Rortvet. Oh, this guy, he's, you know, he's jacked out of his mind. Look at his biceps. Hasn't played at all. We all thought he was made up. Then a picture comes out of Tampa Bay of him rehabbing. And, you know, I, I didn't buy it. I thought this was one of those chat GPT AI things that they made up now. I didn't actually believe it. But he came into a game and he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good, Brian. Now, if Rorfett, if he's something, you got a very tough decision coming down the road here when Jose Trevino comes back from the IL, right? That would probably lead you to believe that Kyle Higashioka is the odd man out. And speaking of odd men out, how do we go this long? How do we go this long? Without the news of the weekend, Yankee fans were dancing in the streets on Saturday afternoon when our phones buzzed and we we all did its double take. We couldn't believe it was true. We thought maybe Hal sold the team to Aaron Hicks, but no, we couldn't. We had to read it like five times over. The Yankees designate for assignment Aaron Hicks. And that spoke volumes to me because the Yankees, I've been saying it, Brian, how long have I been saying it? That Cohen's not afraid to cut ties with someone if they don't perform and he'll eat the money. Well, what does Hal Steinbrenner do? What does Brian Cashman do? They go, they trade with the Red Sox of all teams to bring in Greg Allen and they cut or they designate Aaron Hicks for assignment. Now, what this means to me is one thing here, right? You trade for Greg Allen. Now, the people are out there saying, obviously, they weren't going to do anything with Hicks until they found a suitable replacement. Don't tell me Greg Allen was the suitable replacement for Aaron Hicks. Now, he is a good, he's a, he's a replacement. Don't get me wrong. And he does check a lot of boxes. He's a guy who's used to coming off the bench. That's big. He's got a lot of speed. And you love that this year, right? And you have Volpe who already has great speed. You have this guy in there, Greg Allen, as well, too. He's a pinch runner. And it proved dividends on Saturday in the extra inning game as it was. He scored the game-winning run. Well, you know, go-ahead run from second base with the ghost run. And they bring Greg Allen. He scores. But that's that's a piece they need. But Aaron Hicks, the reason I believe he's the F8, I think you have to look at the writing on the wall here a little bit. Because a lot of people have been saying to me, you know, hey, why did they why did they cut Hicks when he just started to play well? Well, I think that he started to become more of a nuisance in that clubhouse, right? He's been very outspoken that he's not happy with his role on this team, his playing time. It hasn't been good for him. And I think now that he's actually, you know, he was swinging the bat a little bit better and he still wasn't getting those reps, it seemed like he was getting to be a bit of a problem in, you know, the clubhouse. And if you listen to the Yankee game on Saturday when Yes came on the air, um, you had Ryan Rucco and Paul O'Neill calling the game. Paul O'Neill, if you listen to it, he kind of alludes to that. Now, he doesn't say that that was with certainty, but don't, you know, that's Yankee State Television, the Yes Network, okay? Paul O'Neill isn't just spitballing. I think Paul has a little bit of an inside knowledge as to what's going on. And I think Hicks start, was starting to become more and more of a problem. And they finally said, all right, let's go. We can get Greg Allen. That fits the role. And I like the move, bringing Greg Allen. But Aaron Hicks, his days with the New York Yankees have come 
to an end. Can you say something nice? Can you say something nice about Aaron Hicks? Yes. He handled he handled it well. No. He did. He handled That's it well. That's not nice. That's not nice. What uh, I don't you know. Saying what, what do you want Yankee... to compliment his no. credit score? I don't know. No. What, what do you what You're saying you say? the Yankees fired this guy, and you're telling yeah. me after an eight-year career with yeah. the New York Yankees and some decent moments over that eight-year career, mm-hmm. the only thing that you have to say to this man is he handled being fired well. I don't have much. I mean, there was some good moments. His what home about, run, thank you for blank. Thank you for taking what? 40 more million dollars over the next two years while you play golf, Aaron. What is the biggest moment in Aaron Hicks Yankee history? Probably the game tying home run against the Astros. Um, that was, I think last year, or you go back a few years that catch he had in Minnesota games on the line. I want to say it was 2019 or 2018. Um, his extra inning game in Minnesota. I want to say Chad Green was pitching. I could just picture, you know, that clueless face of his after a big line drive in between left and center. And Hicks laid out, makes the game winning catch. Uh, one of the better catches you'll ever see, in a matter of fact. But all right, thank him for that catch. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the memories. All right. Enjoyed it. And thank you for, you know, now lowering my blood pressure a bit. You're going to miss the rants. What team do you think he goes to? He's not done. No, he's not done. He'll find. In fact, I think actually he gets picked up on waivers. I think the Yankees end up trading him. I don't think it's going to be a release. I I hope he goes somewhere where he can thrive. I hope he can go to, you know. What if he goes to Boston and haunts you? What if he like just fucking uh, turns it on in Boston? It pissed me off. If he goes anywhere and he turns it on, it's going to piss me off a little bit. But he wasn't going to do it with the Yankees. And he, he had to get out. It was time to go. It was never going to work. It was it was never going to work here. He needed to get out. If can, I make he goes, you, can I make you feel better? Yeah. I'm looking at this, this stat right now. I think this is pretty crazy. We're looking at Aaron Judge through his first 37 games played this year. Okay? Mm-hmm. Compared to last year, his first 37 games. Home runs last year, he had 14 home runs at this point. This year, he has 13. Last year, he had 30 RBIs. This year, he has 29 RBIs. Last year, he had 32 runs scored. This year, he has 30 runs scored. Batting average is a little 25 points off, but OPS is basically the same. So you're saying there's a chance. He's basically repeating what he did last year, which... Everyone's so like, this guy's going to have a huge drop off and no way he could keep playing at that ridiculous level. Well, through the first 37 games, the first quarter of the season, he's still playing at this same ridiculous level, which don't is just forget he missed 10 games. Nuts. He didn't do that last year. He's, he's missed 10 games. Okay. He's but this is pl- through his first 37 games played. Okay. So this, this game's this played. Fa- it's this game's factors played. that okay. in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe listen you fucking idiot. Oh, well, you said a lot of fucking things. What you want me to remember all of it? Hey, so let me um before we say something sweet and wrap it up here. I, I already said talk- something sweet. You want more? Well, I got something sweet to say. Before I say something sweet and look ahead, wrap things up. I want to talk about um a little something that happened over the weekend, Brian. Okay. Now what do we want to talk about. Brian and I, if you if you listen to Station to Station, you might have remembered from a few weeks ago we had a conversation. We said a little, you know, argument that we said, well, Brian said neither of us could pitch in the 70s. We neither of us could hit 70 miles an hour if we tried. And I said, no, we we probably could come close. And then he said, I know I can throw harder than you. He goes, if accuracy isn't an issue, I'll throw harder than you. And I said, no, you won't. So we what happened? We go out, we buy a radar gun. We went out to the field. We put it to the test. And now I don't want to give any spoilers, but the best man won. Um, the best man won, and that was good. We, lo- we love to see that. We love to see it. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen it yet, go to our YouTube page, S2, letter S, number two, Station Pod. Give it a look. Um, the name of the video is We Tested Rosin with Alcohol. And sunscreen. And spoiler alert, we test rosin 
with alcohol and sunscreen. And I think we were a little bit impressed by the results of what we saw as well, too. It's a video. It's a video. It absolutely is. Make sure to get check it out. It's it's a good video. It really is. Make sure to look at Like I said, the best man won. Um, it was a good one for sure. We love, you know, we love that when everything happens the way it should. Um, give it a like. Make if you haven't followed us on YouTube, S2 Station Pod. Make sure to subscribe, ring that notification bell. Also, check us out on our socials. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Same thing. Letter S, number two, Station Pod. Follow us on all those. We're very active, especially on YouTube. So you want to follow that and go along. All right. So let me give you something sweet, okay? My something sweet for you. How about Verlander and Scherzer over the weekend, right? Like I said earlier, you have a doubleheader and going into it, you're thinking worst case scenario by far. You're like, oh, here we go. Just based on how they go. As I said, Scherzer, he, he, he toughed through it. It was a battle. He worked through that start. He came out. He gave you everything you wanted more. It was one run ball. Scherzer threw. And then what happens? You have Verlander come out as well, too. Verlander, I mean, he looked every bit the Justin Verlander that you signed. You love that. And I thought he was. I got a little scared after the first two starts. I'm like, uh, you know, if you're getting 50 cents on the dollar now with Verlander, you'll be happy. And I was just figuring age. But he made me eat my words. Now, again, that's a start against Cleveland. You know, it's not like they're playing the NL All-Stars by any you know means here. But he looked good. I loved it. I hey, the Mets, if those two go start pitching, the Mets are going to go off. All right. It's plenty of reason to be optimistic as a Met fan. So hats off. Good job. Scherzer, good job. Uh, Verlander, a great job over the weekend for the Metropolitans all around. Now, speaking of the Metropolitans, as we say, they take two out of three against Tampa, sweep Cleveland. They're off tonight as we record this. Uh, Monday, May 22nd, and they hit the road. We got a three-game set with the Chicago Cubs running through Thursday. Then you have Colorado in Colorado over the weekend before having another Monday off and returning home to take on the Philadelphia Phillies. On the other side of town, the Yankees are finally coming home. This is a big series they got coming up. They're hosting Baltimore for three games in the Bronx, all three at night. Um, you do have a prime game sprinkled in there just to, you know, tick everyone. Can this stop, by the way? Can this stop? This whole, I got to have 9,000 different streaming services to watch a friggin' baseball game. You know, listen, the Yes Network's one thing, right? But now I got to get friggin' Peacock. I got to get Apple. Prime, right? App, the Peacock and Apple are ridiculous. First of all, I, the friggin' national nonsense. But Sounds like a I, children's book. Yeah. Oh, my God. The peacock and the apple. And the peacock, it's at the crack of dawn on Sunday, too, which, uh, I, you know, it's a little bit inconvenient, but I do kind of like the 11 o'clock start on Sunday. Because by the time the game was over, you know, it's just almost two. You're able to go out, do a few things, you know. When you have that one o'clock game, especially if it drags on, you know, it's late on Sunday, you don't want to go do anything. So that was nice, you know, a little bit. But again, I got to get another subscription service, really? Major League Baseball, you're trying to grow the game. Meanwhile, you have this nonsense going on. You still have uh, blackouts left and right. Get rid of the blackouts. Let's stop with all the add-on services. Enough. Enough's enough. We got to figure this out. If we're going to start transitioning to digital, let's get all of our balls, you know, in a row here. Jesus. Anyway. You have Baltimore for a three-game set before you have San Diego. And surprise, freaking surprise, you have Apple TV game Friday night. Ugh, fuck's sake. And then you have, uh, you wrap that up. And this is what we're talking about this last week a little bit. You play San Diego Sunday, right? 135. And the very next day, Monday, you're in Seattle. You're playing, so you're going across the country and you don't have an off day. When the hell is this a thing? I've never seen this before, but all right, let's keep it going. Yeah, you got Seattle then after that. Yanks look to keep improving. They got to win this series against Baltimore. Um, don't let San Diego be a letdown series. They haven't been playing great, but don't take them lightly. You have to go out there, win at least two out of three from San Diego. All right. You're laughing. What are you laughing at? Nothing. 
<laughs> I hate Apple TV. Okay, I hate I hate the Apple. I hate the Peacock. Enough, enough streaming services. And with every, it's not just baseball too. I, fucking everything. I'm gonna have a different streaming service. Pretty soon, the past gas in my house. I'm gonna have to subscribe to like TLC Go. You know, like Jesus. Enough. I- I think what I'm going to do with you is if you, uh, if anyone's ever watched the show, the office where it's like, where they just give like Creed a laptop and they're like Creed thoughts and they just let them type in a word document. I think Pat and I are going to just set up like a fake zoom and let you talk endlessly into like the void and just be like, yeah, that was uh, episode nine of station to station. And then be like, all right, Pat, but like now we'll start the episode. We'll like, we'll let him really get it all out for a while. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do www.johnthoughts.com. And you could just get all this stuff off your chest. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode nine station to station podcast for Brian Sarnelli and Pat Lavin. I'm John Prusapio. We'll see you next time, everyone. Take care.